even help me, Lord, and direct me, Lord. They try to teach the, just the importance, as you direct in your word and teach us, the importance and the effect of a thorough knowledge and understanding of your great precious word. Be with us now and bless this time and the service afterwards. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Okay, well, we're back. Uh, and we'll see if we finishing it up today or not, because I think this is, uh, I believe, the fifth, I believe the fifth time be talking about overarching the sufficiency of Scripture. And kind of as a recap for those of us that, have been here and watching and listening. The reason it's so hard on my heart and the sufficiency of Scripture is basically plainly states that, right, A, Scripture, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, right, for teaching, for doctrine, for instruction, for training in righteousness, that we may be complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good things. And then we looked at 2 Peter chapter 1, which tells us plainly in there that he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him, through the knowledge of words. And I, I talked about if you look in the words, whether it's the word knowledge, remembrance, bringing, phrases like bringing back to mind, he uses, he uses that 16 times in the short letter of 2 Peter. And then the very end of it, Right? He commends us and admonishes us to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and there's, there's many others, but I just thought, you know, that 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, and 2 Peter chapters, chapter 1 and 3 and 4 is just such a guide, good, guiding, clear principle and understanding of the importance and the fundamental importance of the word of God in our lives. They do that because there's a lot of so-called teaching out there. <laughs> Another quick note, if you notice, uh, the ending uh, Paul exhorts Timothy to, you know, keep away from science falsely so-called, that word science knowledge. You know, people spouting a lot of so-called knowledge, you know, and ways we can grow in our, in, in our Christian walk that are unbiblical. They, they, they twist the scriptures, looked at many of that, they twist the scriptures and hearing from God, personal experiences with God, getting into God's presence, being alone with God, being silent with God, there's basic two-way communication with God, right? Jeez, let's not just do all the talking, you know, let's talk and then wait so we can hear from him and to expect it. And we looked at that, if you remember, we looked at it and we see that's nowhere in Scripture. It's foreign to the Word of God. And the Scriptures that they use, they just twist the Word of God. What they use, and in, 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 in they use many things that are descriptive in Scripture. And what I mean by that is they're described in Scripture. And someone, at some time, or various people, had certain experiences and did certain things. And then they build this whole doctrine upon that. But nowhere in Scripture is it prescribed for us to get to know God and grow in our knowledge of God and becoming more and more, I've got his word, 
acquainted with and intimate with in a good way as far as closer to God. In fact, many of their things, actually, it's the exact opposite. You look at these same people teaching so-called spiritual disciplines are the same people teaching false spiritual warfare. And we're actually told the things that they teach, we're actually told in Scripture to avoid. So, you know, they're just at the... I ended off last last time I spoke on this talking about looking at different kinds of teachers. And we look at the kind of teachers talked about, for instance, in Second Peter and in Jude. These are they're known they're knowingly deceiving people. They're deceived, being deceived, they're all of that. Then there's then there's those teachers that are teachers and they ought not to be teachers because they don't understand what they affirm. They, they they don't understand what they think they know. They're they're, they're ignorant. They had no place to teach, you know, and I said again, and they very well, you know, could be brothers. I, I know at a time I've taught things that were wrong, and I know, I'm, I, I'm convinced, I mean, by examining the scripture in my own life that I'm saved, you can be wrong, but I also believe that you're able to be corrected, and God will correct you in those things and pull you out of that, but... You know, it tells us in Scripture, if you remember, we looked at, even if they're sincere, it tells us in Scripture that the man who is teaching these things and believing these things and spreading these things, if he won't listen to the second admonition to stop and be corrected, then we're to have nothing to do with him, avoid him. So that's my advice. We should avoid, avoid these people. Uh, I just want to touch on, you know, spiritual disciplines. You know, I talk so much about the, the heirs, the heirs. And that's something about the spiritual disciplines. And I mentioned upon them, they, they all boil upon how to become a stronger Christian, how to have a closer walk with God, right? How to hear from God. And uh, Sarah Young is such a horrible example. I mean, her books have sold over 30 million copies. And it's completely unbiblical and the practice she uses to supposedly hear from Jesus on a daily basis really many of the things in that book amount to blasphemy and it's dangerous but you know she even says the very start of it why she started it right says I knew and was taught right that the word of God you know, was my guiding principle and will grow me in the faith. But I yearned for more. And that's a mistake we all got to wait out for. Our flesh yearns for more. Because if you recall, I talked about what was the original deception. God wasn't giving you all, right? That's what, the, that's what the devil tempted Eve with. He wasn't giving you all. He was holding some stuff back. And by doing this, right, your eyes will be open and you'll know more. And you'll be like him, right? No good and evil. And so they disobeyed and they sinned. But it's always been that way, you know. The devil himself, he was risen up with pride, right? He saw all those great things and he wanted more. You know, to want more than what God has prescribed. And I mentioned, and these are just people because if you run across these people, it's impossible to run through all the names. There are some big names in it. But the other people that are lesser names, for the most part, have just copied them. They all say the same things to one degree or another. 
and some of the biggest names. And, and one way to really watch out for these people, when you hear them glowingly quote these people, <laughs> but Richard Foster, Dallas Willard, and I don't know if any of you recognize the name, but he's actually considered in high regard in some reform circles, but Donald Whitney. The other ones that teaches spiritual disciplines. And besides, yes, he teaches the ones we're going to talk about in Acts 2.42. Prayer, right, with the word of God, fellowship, prayer, breaking of bread. Then he goes beyond that, solitude, silence, journaling, uh, you know, fasting, giving more and more and more, serving. All these things are means of graces, and no, they're not. They're results of graces, but not the means of graces. And what he does is just a huge category error. By, by the way, the meaning of that, he's basically just going along just so they all do. By works, we can perfect ourselves instead of through God's prescribed graces. Okay. Uh, with that, we'll just, I just want to take a look at, first of all, what the Word of God is says about itself, and we did that in second, you know, by looking at Second Timothy and Second Peter, about what the Word of God produces in our lives, and that it is our standard, but does the Bible talk that we need anything else than what is prescribed? And I emphatically say no. And anyone who's gone beyond that has always led in to error. And eventually, grosser and grosser error. You know, you can trace all of it back. You know, what to the different degrees of uh, charismania, Pentecostalism, Roman Catholicism, and a lot of that, and a lot of those teachings they got because they went beyond Scripture and they started listening to their own imaginations and putting that on level with Scripture. And you can just run into almost every error, really, because, as I said before, not the ones who deny it, but the ones that would give at least lip service, right, to the importance and absolute authority and being the final authority, the Word of God, but in practice, they deny the sufficiency of Scripture, because if Scripture was sufficient, then you would not need to do all the things that they write countless books about. You would spend your time in the Word and walking out what that Word says. And you wouldn't need to have a library full of, full of their, their teachings. But uh, if you would, for instance, just you know, as a couple, uh, turn to John 17, 17. Because through these spiritual disciplines, they all say in one way or another, right, this helps to sanctify us. You know, like solitude, silence, uh, journaling, which you'll find nowhere in Scripture, by the way. You'll, you, know, you know, but uh, actually, what does the Word of God says sanctifies us? John 17, 17, and it's a Scripture I believe we know very well, but it's during the actual Lord's Prayer, right, when He's praying for all of us. And in John 17... Verse 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Pretty direct, pretty straightforward. So whenever they try to say anything else sanctifies us and that it's not true, he says we're sanctified through the word of God, which is truth. 
you know, he, he goes on, uh, go to math, go back to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, and we know this really well. I mean, they, you know, they, you know, our, our commission. <clears throat> Matthew 28, starting in verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So we know at 19, right? Teach them, you share the gospel with them and that, and then, then they come to faith. They come to faith in Christ and they're baptized, right? And then what? Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. The word. So teaching. And lo, I am with you always, even in the end of the world. So, you know, it's not just, right, the gospel, he said, then once they're saved, what do you do? You teach them. You teach them. And just like, you know, he goes on before that in John 17, right? He prayed the Father would sanctify them through his word, through the truth. So that's what, that, what, that, what is the sanctifying power in our lives is derived is derived from the word of God. We have the Holy Spirit in us, and by taking in that word, right, we put on that new man, and we're putting off that old man. We make a decision to do it, but apart from the word of God, trying to do that, apart from growing in the knowledge and grace of God, then we're trying to do it in our own power. And it's really pointless. It'll make us... It'll either fill us with a lot of pride and we'll start being some of those people thinking we're great because we're kind of going to a little bit of deceiving ourselves, but really what it does is it'll run you down because you'll start realizing how much you fall short and you'll find actually less power because you're trying to walk righteously apart from the sanctifying power of God in your life that comes through his word. You know, the... An unbeliever can read the Word of God, memorize it, know it. Know what it says. The believer can read the Word of God and it sanctifies him and builds him up in the faith and cleanses us and refines us, right? And, and as the Word says, and brings out and gives us those rivers of living water that will, come, that will come out of us through speaking that Word, living that Word. Uh Another place, just go, the, the, the four graces described in the, word of, in the Word of God. Remember, all spiritual disciplines say that we work, we, we work, you know, to bring about the graces of God in our life. Well, because God's already done it, and he will do it. We do participate, but we participate according to his guide, through, through his means. Go to Acts 2. Acts chapter 2. You know, we talk about it all the time, but right, there's a reason when we say all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So everything written was written because God had a purpose for it. There is a purpose for it. We won't always understand it, but there's a purpose for it, right? And, and it has a sanctifying, changing transforming effect upon his people's lives. But Acts 2, I want to concentrate on 42, but 41. 
Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. No true conversion comes apart from the word of God. We understand that. But so we need the word to come to God. <laughs> How we grow with him. Remember in Galatians, are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, or you know, maybe made perfect by the flesh. And when he's talking about it, it came in the spirit, the, the power of the word of God. And now they're going to perfect themselves through other means. But, and the same day they're added unto them about 3,000 souls. Verse 42, and they continued steadfastly. I mean, you know, determinate, right? And they're steadfast, and you just, they kept doing this, right? And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, the, the word of God, and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. And actually, you look through all the scripture. Now, Jeremy goes, we come for a long time, but you look at all. Those have always been the graces he's used. Those are the graces he used. And the first one begins with the word of God, because literally, I would say the two most important, they are the word of God and prayer. But it's also fellowship, because he gave us all gifts, so we have to gather together. And it's always breaking of bread, because it's always remembering, it's always central because of the, the work Jesus did. And is doing for us. Remember, he's interceding for us even now to bring these all these things apart. But those are the four disciplines that the Word of God itself gives us. <clears throat> and you know, I could go on. You know, to turn there because I'll just quote it. You can turn there if you want. But I've talked. I've mentioned this several times during, you know, during when we've gone over this the last five weeks. But Romans twelve one and two. Right? Therefore, because of the mercies of God, I exhort you, right? Present your bodies a living sacrifice. You make the determination, right? You decide, I'm going to live my life wholly for the Lord. And then what? Which is our reasonable service, right? It's illogical, and actually we're being stupid by not doing it, right? It's funny when you say that way, right? So all those other spiritual disciplines are aside, right? So righteousness is, in a sense, is a spiritual discipline. We decide to do it. And by doing it, right? It, 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 it's very important, but just making the determination to do it. And then what he said, and, re, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, right? Because it will transform us more and more and more into the image of God. And that's included everywhere. Right? As I mentioned in 2 Timothy 3, in 2 Peter chapter 1, actually the whole book, the whole book is so much about the word of God, you know, and the vast importance of it. The other place I want to go, these people will say it'll have you have more of an experience, right? A closer walk with God. Well, when you think about it, when it says to walk in the Spirit, to live by the Spirit, I would say there's no other, according to the Word itself, no other greater example of saying, hey, we're, we're living a pleasing life in God. We're really walking closer and closer to God when we're walking in the Spirit and living by the Spirit. Amen? How does the scripture say that comes about? Well, go to Ephesians. Oh, does anyone have any questions or comments about what's been said so far? Oh, there's another thing, right? Don't get me going. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> just, you know, it's so many things I want to talk about. I talked about several things, but there's so many false teachings out there. Really, literally, 
the list is almost exhaustive. Exhaustive. But they all tender on some things, right? They prescribe things for us that the scriptures do not. And in many cases, and I study out, forbid us to do. They're just wrong. And they go against what the Bible plainly teaches, what sanctifies us, what causes us to grow, the way God imparts grace to us and imparts his power into us and transforms us. I mean, literally, what do we need more besides transformation in the image of Christ? And it says that comes about through the power of the word of God in our lives. So being transformed in his image, I'd say, would be the, the epoch of our Christian walk, Right? We'll never reach there, be totally transformed, right? We'll never, until we see him as he is, and we're transformed when we be clothed from on high, amen? But we continue to grow. And it says how he transforms us is through the power of his truth, his word. And it just boggles my mind that the weight of the books, the crushing weight of the books that are coming out, when we have the book. Now, I'm not saying that all, all books are bad. There are good books on theology that teach on subjects, you know, teaching you good systematic theology and how to search things out and good things on justification and, and redemption and, and the various doctrines. And those are good. But not about spiritual disciplines, spiritual warfare, all these for, things foreign to the Word of God. And all those people who wrote those good books would commend you. They want you, check out what I say. And they'll get very doctrinal. Right? They'll get very wordy. And by that I mean wordy on this and they expound upon it, but they keep going back and tying Scripture to Scripture because in the end that's what we're to do. Scripture interprets Scripture. But uh, in Ephesians 4... Starting, okay. okay, starting in verse 20, he's just talking about, you know, about the whole body that we, first of all, he said earlier in chapter 4, in, you know, verse, you know, verse 12, reason about for teachers and that, and evangelists and that, but it's all through the word of God so that we would grow, and and not be children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, right? But grow up in the unity and grow up, you know, we grow up in them in all things, verse 15. You know, and speaking the truth in love, well, what's the truth? His word, right? Speaking the word in love. You know, and from the whole body, verse 16, fitly joined together. That's all of us. We're, we're part of that whole body, right? And we've all been given various gifts. And it doesn't really matter if you know what they are. If you know what I'm talking about, there's so-called places that have these tests where you supposedly can find out what your gift is. They certainly don't get that from the Bible. You get that by just joining together in fellowship and sharing in that. And if you don't realize, other people will see it. And either way, as we're fellowship and being together and talking to one another and speaking to one another, those gifts and in living with one another, those gifts come out and minister to one another, which is the sole purpose of them. But uh, going on to verse 20, 
But you have not so learned Christ, you know, that, that these people, like in verse 18, having their understanding darkened. Don't, don't be like those people, right? But you have not so learned Christ. If so be that you have heard him and have by, been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. And what did he say? When we see that word truth and that, what did he say? The word, thy word is truth, right? Sanctify them through thy truth. That you put off concerning the former conversation, lifestyle, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And then he gives some practical teaching there. But you notice that we make the decision, right? Put off the old man. And put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So yes, we are sinners. We still have a sinful flesh. But inside... We are born unto God. We are children of God. And we put that and build up that new man by the word of God, with the word of God. And that's how he does it. And he gives us some practical, some practical teaching right on, you know, put all these away and do these. And, he, and I really love verse 32. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And all those things are found throughout the word of God, by the way. Being kind to one another, loving one another, you know, being good to one another. And he starts verse in chapter 5 with, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love. And then he says, Let, let none of these, you know, be mentioned among you. But go to verse... 14 of chapter 5. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, you know, carefully examine yourself, what well, walk wisely, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not un unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So we can understand it. We can know what it is. No guessing about it. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And when I was in the Word of Faith movement, I was a very young Christian. I remember one time they had this up there, and I thought, that is just nutty. And this pastor up there, and he was holding like this fake bottle wasn't there like he was and he's drinking from it you know saying some word of god thing and say i'm being filled with the spirit that was ludicrous that was stupid it, it was what does he mean by that we'll be filled with the spirit well notice what it says after that speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs so actually what you're speaking yourself into is speaking the word of god singing and making melody in your heart to the lord Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then keep reading on. Submitting yourselves to one another in the fear of God. Why submit? So it's interesting, right? The reason I mention that to read on in there, go to Colossians chapter 2. On there just a few pages. Colossians chapter 2. And verse, you know, let's just... No, first I'll, I'll read the part that goes right with that. Uh, chapter 3, 
First in verse 9, lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Remember Ephesians, right? So that we put off the old man, which is corrupt, according to deceitful lust, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge at the image of him that created him. He's teaching the Colossians exactly what he was telling the Ephesians. Exactly. Just using a little different wording. Okay. <clears throat> Because he goes on, verse 12, put on therefore as the elect of God, holding and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, longsuffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. Again, he's talking about loving one another. Just as he, just as he ended up, you know, uh, Ephesians 5 there. It, it, it's, it's all the same. But what's really interesting, go over to verse 16 of chapter 3. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And when it's dwelling in you richly in all wisdom, what are you doing? You are teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Does that sound familiar? Because what, 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 what did we just read there? Go back to Ephesians 5 real quick. In 18, right, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. It says the same thing. So, <clears throat> and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Go back, right? He ends up right after he said that in Speaking in, in Ephesians, right, verse 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus. So he's saying the same exact thing in both letters. And then after that, he starts saying, wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as is fit in the Lord. Hmm, what's the first thing after that? 21 in Ephesians, submitting yourselves to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. So then he's given the same exact teaching, just using a little different words. Being filled with the Spirit, right, is letting the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. By doing so, you are being filled with the Spirit. You know, because we all have the Spirit of God within us, right? It just, it can be real weak, in a sense, because of our lack of understanding, right? And just how much of that old man, whether we realize it or not, how, how strong, in a sense, and I'll say this, we allow him to be, because in a sense, by not doing the disciplines he said to do, and that first and foremost one being the word of God and prayer and fellowship, right, by doing those things, right, we're constantly putting that old man off by doing those things. And we're putting the new man on by doing them. We're putting them off and putting them on by following those things, you know, and walking in righteousness. Uh, that's when we're running so short on time. So I, you know, I will because I, I said to this, I just want to go with, let's go and see the power of the word of God in one of his children's lives. Turn to Psalm 119.
in, in, verse, in Psalm 119, we know this is the longest psalm in all the Bible, and almost everything, and I think, correct, Mike, I think it's only three verses that in, that in some way, all but three verses in some way talk about uh, the, the importance, the effects, the longing for, but the word of God in his life and how important it was to him. <clears throat> so, I'll just start in Psalm 119, verse 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established earth, and it abideth. They continue this day according to thine ordinances for all of thy servants. I want to get that right. He, he's, he's like praising God for his word and his power. But if you read before that, right, it's all because, right, he has devoted himself to understanding and knowing his word. Verse 92. Unless thy law had been my delights, I should then have perished in mine affliction. So, you know, the servants of God, we go through, they do a lot of this because somehow like the Christian life is just supposed to be one victory, one victory or prance of the rose garden after another. And it's not. We all struggle. <clears throat> I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. It has strengthened him. And I believe that's when all things in, in soul, mind, spirit just lifted him up. I am thine, save me, for I have sought thy precepts. The wicked have waited for me to destroy me, but I will consider thy testimonies. Right, Meditate on them, think on them, bring them back to mind. I have seen an end of all perfection. So anything, everything you can see, everything in this world has an end. Right? But thy commandment is exceeding broad. There's no end to the word of God. There's no end to its understanding. There's no end to its power that we could possibly come to. It's exceeding broad, right? It covers everything. There's a lot of things that, that really does, but I don't want to get it done, right? It covers everything. Just like it says, it'll give us all things that pertain to life and godliness are contained in this word. All things, and it's all we need to be thoroughly furnished and complete and to know and approve of what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, right? 97, here's our one, and there's just so much here, but... In verse 97, oh, how I love thy law, exclamation point. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Thou, through thy commandments, hast made me wiser than mine enemies. We have enemies out there, amen? He did then, we do now, right? Everyone who's an unbeliever. False teachers, everyone who teaches wrong things, but, it, you know, just, just enemies, right? He made me wiser than enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I'm not saying, right, we, we, we read this, so, hey, uh, I'm going to read it a lot, so I'll really, uh, you know, I'll really put Howard to shame here in a couple weeks. I'm going to take myself to that. What he's saying is, right, keep reading it. He, he, he realized he's becoming wiser than uh, the, the teachers, than the teachers out there, I mean, because he's devoted to the word of God. 
for thy testimonies are my meditation. And that doesn't mean getting alone in solitude and everything about that, right? You can mutter him, think him, right? He's, he's constantly reading about him and thinking about him as he's walking along, right? They're, he's ever continually, you know, absorbed with the word of God. Verse 100, I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts, right? So there's that also that determination, Lord, I'll walk in your ways, Give me the grace and the power. Help me to do that. We can, if you read throughout this, you'll see many times he prays for the Lord's help to help him walk in those precepts. I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. Again, getting back to that practical righteousness too. There is a thing, but you, you can't do it apart from the power of the word of God. I mean, not do it and actually also experience the peace and joy and contentment that only God can give. Verse 102, I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me, right, through his word. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. I hate every false way. I'm going to go through that. Now, just to examine ourselves, one thing I like to examine myself, when I went and read that, I go, well, the word of God had bought him to hate every false way. I can't say that. Do I hate it? How, how much is the world actually, actually rubbed off on me? How much has it desensitized me? And we've got to be careful. We've got to be very careful for that. We've got to be very careful for that. But... Uh, Go on to verse, just flip forward a little bit to verse 127. You know, he's just going over and over again about his love and his absolute need and his absolute, you know, trust in the word of God. He gets to verse 127. Therefore I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. Therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. Well, you look at that word hate in Hebrews, right? And it's actually really, really quick, you know, hate, you know, odious, utterly. doesn't say much. Oh, but look at the word odious. Not to really tell you what it really means. And I'll give you an idea. This is just a few of them. We could go on so many synonyms along with it. But uh, just so you understand what he's basically saying there, right? Therefore, I hate every false way. Okay, so, first of all, he utterly hates them. They're utterly detestable, extremely unpleasant, repulsive, revolting, repugnant, vile, loathsome, right? <clears throat> detestable, monstrous, abhorrent, abominable, and so on, and so on, and so on. For instance, right, when we hear, and that every false way is sin, and also teachings that misrepresent the gospel, that misrepresent our Lord, that, that misrepresent our God, right? He hates every false way. He finds every false way odious. Anything that contradicts what God has revealed about himself and what he tells us to do, he hates, he finds odious and repulsive everything. Do we? But how did he come to that point? He came to that point 
because he devoted himself to the knowledge growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? He didn't realize they were looking forward to Savior, right? But, right? He goes back. He's the word in the flesh. <laughs> the living word of God. Of course. And he said we're sanctified, set apart, right? And we're transformed through the word of God. And it is all we need. You know, and with that also, that spurs us on to greater and greater prayer. And more prayer and truth. And more fervent prayer. Right? And more... And a more fervent walk in righteousness, more determination to walk in that. All things stem in reality from the, our more and more of a thorough understanding, acquaintance with the Word of God. And because of this, something to think about, but verse 136. And this is where I believe we could really the more we devote ourselves to the study of the Word of God and really examine our entire life through the lens of Scripture. How many of us can say this? Rivers of waters run down mine eyes because they keep not thy law. This is where this man of God had gotten to by the power of the Word of God in his life. And I believe... It will make us, it cannot help but make us more effectual, fervent prayers, more, of, more uh, fervent in our walk, walking in righteousness, right? It fills us with the Spirit. <laughs> it fills us more and more with the Spirit, right? And it will cause us, it, it'll literally be like, you know, as it causes, you know, like we sing that song, right? I only, you know, bring on the suffering, but other things, right? To, you know, burn away the dross, right? And refine the gold. But the Word of God does that, does all of that. And don't pay attention to anyone writing. I don't care how many, how long they've been teaching. I don't care how many letters they have behind their name. If it's foreign to the Word of God, or it somehow diminishes. I don't care what they say. If it diminishes the word of God, because it, if it's adding on to the importance and the absolute importance in what the word of God will do, it's false. doesn't matter what they're, how sincere they are. Uh, with that, I'll just finish. Anyone have any last comments or theme? Yeah.
right? It's exceeding broad. <laughs> it's, you know, it, 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 it's so true because even as I, I read this and, we, and, and we've talked about that and anytime, if you've ever gotten up and really devoted yourself to like studying a passage out and you, and, and you want to commit yourself to, okay, I want to make, uh, Lord, help me get this right. Boy, you'll know what I'm talking about. You come under conviction. And you start seeing yourself. And I started examining myself when I went through this and myself about that. And you will see, yeah, we fall short. I fall short. But, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing because it spurs on. But I know the Lord can help me do better. This man does it. There's one thing and then we're, then we're done. Go to the very end of Psalm 119. And you'll notice throughout this entire psalm, right, praising God, thanking him for his word, thanking how it's, Thanking him that he went through affliction to draw him more into that word, to build him up and quicken him, according to that. Read Psalm 176. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. He understood he sins. He understood that at certain ways and certain times, right, he, he starts to go astray. And he knows only the Lord can keep him. And bring him back and restore him. Men of God have always, you know, suffered, struggled, been on that. But the one thing you'll find, anyone that with any respect or anything that will know and read about that, they, right, there, you could really trace how they handled things and their lives by their dedication to the knowledge of the Word of God. Mike. Yeah. 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 And I'll just say we we can all ask this, but it's just something I read about in a lot of these books and statements like it, it bothers me. But it talks basically about, well, you know, you'll read through it, and they have these various ideas how to read the Word of God. And when they say to read it, of course, they add all kinds of stuff to it. But, you know, and then get away by yourself and uh, meditate on it. But I'm kind of a simpleton when, when, when it comes to this. It has been my experience in over 30 years, everything, the one thing, and we all learn things different and study different and take things in differently, but the one thing every person has coming, just read it. Because they keep saying, well, and you'll get up, you'll read it, and then you go on your day and you can walk away and you forgot what you read. That's all of us. But I guarantee the Holy Spirit has taken that word because, you know, not one word you read is ever completely gone out of your mind. And the, as you read it, and the more you read it, then the more you'll remember. Then the more and more it'll come to your mind. But it will not come to your mind if you don't read it. You know, and just 
stay silent. Sometimes because what they recommend, they all just recommend the silence and solitude thing. Because Jesus went away, and it, all it says is he went away by himself to pray. And then they build that up into while he went by because he had to be by himself, because he had to be quiet and get in solitude. It doesn't say that. And by the way, Jesus was God. But anyway, empty your mind, whatever. Just try to not think of anything or whatever, or even have a particular thing on your mind and think about it for just two minutes. I guarantee, if you're like me anyway, but almost, and everyone I know, other things start popping in there all the time. And you can, and, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing to sit by and meditate on it, but usually I'm meditating, I just read, and then you, you go on as I'm driving in my car, I'm thinking about it. Just, just mainly, it's thinking about it. And then part of meditation, it's interesting when you read it out, is muttering to oneself. So as you're reading, you could even be reading to go, well, oh, that's really interesting, Lord. Help me understand that better. And you, just meditate on it. But don't listen to people who are following old Eastern religion and you can pop them all up together, old Eastern religious and pagan practices on how to meditate and, and things like that. You just need to be careful about that. Uh, with that, Dean, would you please close us in a word of prayer?